Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game called company that is legend by design. Check them out at legendarygearusa.com. Folks, if any of you have been around the call industry and heard the calling contest, you, I'm sure you're going to know our next two guests. They're renowned brothers that have been, man, these guys have been doing it a long time. I was told there's a uh, hidden uh, secret about them that their mother never gave them a pacifier when they're young. She gave them a duck call to suck on. So anyway, we're going to introduce the Nickham brothers, Jody and Corey Nickham. Guys, welcome to our podcast. What's up, George? Thanks, George, for having us. It's a pleasure. That's all right. Checks in the mail. So anyway... <laughs> guys i really i appreciate you guys being taking your time i know uh jody's do, he's he's doing a babysitting service so we're gonna try to appreciate him separating and and and, and, and spreading his knowledge well you know for our listeners out there that, that is pretty much you guys know you you guys are a hoot you're a laugh but you know in all seriousness you're probably the worst two guys to ever watch pull up to a calling contest that's i mean the old crap when the nickham brothers are here but uh, if you would have you start Corey, and uh, a little bit about yourself your background your family yeah man uh my name is Corey nickham i am 39 we have five kids three boys two girls it'll be 15 years being married may 24th so not too far away um I started contest calling in 98, 99-ish, and I've been a full-time waterfowl and turkey guide since about 2003, 2004-ish, when I first started guiding, and haven't looked back since. Corey, don't you do a little deer guiding too or no? Yeah, I'm a deer Uber. I'm a pretty much drop off deer hunters on the farms that I turkey guide on and make sure they don't get lost. And if they shoot a deer, I go help them track it and come back. But I am far, far from a deer hunter. Gotcha. What about you, but, Jody? Yeah, uh, I am actually, I'm getting ready to turn. Oh, what is it? Uh, be 34. I'll be turning 34 in June, so I'm 33 currently. I have, uh, been married to my wife now almost five years. I have three kids. I got an oldest boy and two little girls uh, who all love being outside. And uh, I think I started contest calling, oh, I don't know, uh, probably in maybe 01, 00, maybe. I can't, I mean, not too long after Corey. I was a lot, I mean, obviously younger than Corey, but uh, I think it's almost closer to the same time. I think he did a couple years prior to me when went around and watched him do it. And then uh, I kind of got involved in it. But uh, uh outside of contest calling which i really don't do too much of anymore i uh work for a tree care company as a uh, certified arborist uh basically kind of manage a tree care business that a guy here locally owns and uh yeah it just kind of i take care of my kids and hunt my off time and that's about it well let me uh, ask both, both you guys i mean you guys are just you're the big names in, in the industry and who got you started at a young age? I mean, what, did you have? Did you come from a family that of hunting uh, heritage, or was there a certain mentor or anybody that kind of led you through this, guided you through? I started duck hunting in California, where I was, you know, originally born. Um, with my dad and our dad and our uncle and 
my grandpa and we used to hunt a place called Mendota and I shot my very first duck out there and you know Jody started hunting out here but as far as like the contest calling side of things like none of our family members that hunted or fished ever did contest there was no contest calling out there in California and we met Mike Keller in like 2000 yeah big Mike at galleon sporting goods um in august at their big waterfowl show you know because they had the the contest and the the show and the vendors and stuff like that and yeah i bought a single reed duck haul um from mike and one thing led to another jody and i were going up to his house pretty much every tuesday and thursday in the evenings and then we'd go up there on the weekends and practice calling for a couple hours and then have like volleyball games at his pool that they built and it just went on from there but yeah i would say i mean mike keller as far as you know the contest calling side of things for him and i wow see that's something i didn't know that's pretty cool mike keller he was you know of all the people i've met and made friendships in the industry mike keller is one of that i never had the pleasure of meeting or making a friendship with I just never, we never crossed paths together. And I, yeah, Mike was a, Mike was a, a, a good guy. You know, he, and you know, I say about carry on from Mike and, you know, Mike was a guy that kind of got me, uh, you know, off the, you know, a little bit of contest calling side. He got me to a certain point and, you know, I'm not saying that Corey wasn't where I was. I think I was just a little bit more dedicated, not more so, you know, ability wise. I just was wanting to be, something a little bit more in the, in the main street side and Mike got me to a certain point and then finally just said, Hey, you know, I, I really can't teach you any further. You've kind of gotten past where I'm going to ever be able to help you. And, uh, I, uh, he, he got me in touch with Butch Richenbach and both of those two guys, if there's two guys that are ever the same in uh, the industry, their mentality, their work ethic, were both the same. I mean, they're, if you didn't want to put in the time, they weren't going to waste their own time on you. So, uh, but yeah, Mike and Butch were the guys that got me to where I was. Yeah, Butch was, uh, there's a lot of people that Butch has helped along the way. And I know you guys were pretty close with him. And, and I remember traveling a lot. And, I, you know, I was never one of those guys that really hit the bars or did a lot of the partying scenes. So I'd go work my tail off at a show or if we were doing a thing with Cabela's or whoever, and I'd be beat. We'd go out, I'd go out to dinner with Butch and Mr. Charles and then go back to the room, and I just remember spending many nights talking with Butch in his room, talking over shit. In fact, uh, Butch had a couple of my goose calls, and uh, he and he, I told him, thank God he was a duck caller because he could not blow a goose call to save his ass. <laughs> oh, no, no, he could not. No, he could but he could instruct real easily, and he could tell you what you're doing wrong. I say, gosh darn, Butch, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he yeah, was, uh, that was... I've heard that many a times. Oh, my gosh, in, in that, the contest. And I know I judged you guys many a times in, in the two-man contest. and But we're doing it, especially the open. It, I'd be back there with Butch all the time. And I mean, Butch's favorite line is, he's pinchy, he's pinchy. He sounds pinchy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he'd have that little piece of paper that he'd tuck in his pocket with all the symbols. And all those symbols meant different different mistakes or high tones or waivers or 
anything like that that he, you know, would just jot down instead of sure. writing notes while listening. That was a Butch, Butch uh, shorthand. Yeah. <laughs> he said it'd be take, it, takes, it takes longer to write a note down while you're judging, and you miss half the stuff a caller does while you're still writing. 100%. So he would just have those symbols as markers. 100%. And just check them. Yep. Well. You know, he tell me all the time, he said, do you hear how bad you are, or is it just me? I don't know. I guess <laughs> you, I don't know. Yeah. If you were having a bad day, you would be sure to let you know. Uh, you know, but that's what you know. Unfortunately, the kids today, you know, I mean, anybody that's wanting to learn, you know, that, those kind of mentors aren't around. You know, I, I help out with kids, and you give any kind of, I mean, nothing against them, but you give any kind of constructive criticism, and it's taken a whole new way than what it was back in the two thousands. Oh man, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that that is those who make it. You got to be tough. You got to be, it's, a, you know, the yeah. constructive criticism. It isn't about cutting someone's meat on the social media just to, you know, to get a star. Oh, yeah. But it's about constructive criticism coming from a respected mentor. But, you know, he cares for you. Or he, you know, yeah. if he didn't care for you, he wouldn't tell you the truth of what you, he'd just say, yeah, yeah you sounded there. good and go on because he didn't want to waste <clears throat> the time. And, you know, yeah. That is exactly well, now what the mentors nowadays are the ones that have more followers and likes. There you go. I agree. That's a good, yeah, that's a good knowledge. way to put it. <laughs> I mean, and, and it goes back to, you know, his time was my time. So, and, and you know, but I mean, I, I take some away from Mike Keller, but Mike was, you know, the originator for me. But for as far as Bush goes, you know, he used to always tell me that his time was my time. So when I was winning, it was winning on his time, you know, when I was losing, I was losing on his time. And, you know, so when I'm helping people nowadays, I mean, you're either winning or losing on my time as well. You know, I, I'm trying to help you. I want to see you succeed. But if you're not going to listen and you're not going to take it, then I'm not going to waste my time. And, that, and that's uh, what drives you to that next level. Can you guys, yeah. do you guys actually remember your first contest you all won together? First two Mary oh, uh, Sorry. Um, uh, first two Mary I, I would have, if I was a guess, going off of back then when there was contests nonstop, thinking of like the earlier months, because Spoils' contest was always during the end of Kansas oh. turkey season in May. Yeah. And if I would have to, I would probably have to say one of the first years Spoils had his contest at that shop he had outside of Pittsfield. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that be as a far as year, George, I don't know. We've won so freaking many of them. Oh, my gosh. It, it just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I'd say you probably got far off on that, I'd say. I would probably say it's one of Spoils' the first years he had it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What would be your most memorable win? Oh, uh, man. I, <laughs> any any recent ones, but, I mean, uh, we won we won Rogers uh, a lot. Until they put the uh, world title on the two-man Rogers. <laughs> uh, actually, before he took first and second with a buddy of mine, Zach, who's a really good friend of mine, uh, and 
which was awesome to see. But then the next year, me and Corey ended up winning Rogers that next year, which was the world title, which was cool to have. I mean, we now have between the three of us, between the two of us, we have a Main Street World Title in Stuttgart. We have a World Live Title. We have the World Two Net Title. Uh, but uh, I mean, honestly, for me, probably the dive bomb last year. I was gonna uh, say. Just because the amount of things that were there and who was there, I would say Dive Bomb over the Rogers one. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, nothing to get, like I said, me and Zach won it in 18, and Jody and I took second that year. Um, then the following year, Jody and I won it in 19, and I had a mistake in the third round, and it cost me and Zach some points. So we went, you know, from top three to fifth that year, um, which, you know, my fault. I'm, you know, I messed up. And but I would think even winning Rogers back to back with Zach and Jody, that dive bomb contest felt really damn good, especially who we beat, team number two and team number three, and then go to Alaska for eight days. That was like, pretty cool, huh? That was that was a winning, and then you know getting to go to Alaska now with Charlie. Tell me about Alaska. They all, they all feel good. Oh yeah, winning. I mean, it don't matter if you're in BFE, Alaska, or Texas, or whatever. Wins a win. Like it's all gonna. I mean, they all feel good. But George, back to your question about Alaska, it was like being on the edge of the moon, like. Yeah. It was the most craziest thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life as far as the duck and goose hunter. Really? What, uh... Yeah. I mean, Joey, yeah, what Joey tell you? I mean, we yeah, Alaska, there. <laughs> I mean, Alaska was just, uh... I mean, it, you know, you got guys around here that... I mean, where we are, and you think also where you are, George, you know, you got guys that field hunt, and you got guys that water hunt, and you guys got the timber hunt, and uh and it, yeah it may get bad it may get you know where you are you may get in the negatives and you may get some snow on the ground but i mean george we were up there in october and it was i mean it was below freezing but the, the to go shoot brant out on the bering sea or to go shoot sea ducks and stuff like that like it, it you're a whole different breed uh in my mind like, and these guys the head guy. Yeah, I told, I told, yeah, I told Jody like the second day, because that first day we got there, you know, we hunted that afternoon and it was like a gentleman's hunt. Like we just sat in these like little cuts on this beach and we shot, you know, I mean, hell, I think we killed a couple of greenheads and Brent and Cacklers that evening. But after like the second full day of hunting, I told Jody when we got back to the lodge, when we got in our room, I was like, I will tell anyone still to this day, in person or over the phone, any North America or United States duck and goose guide, they're not a man unless you guide in Alaska. <laughs> like the lower 48 guides, they don't know. I mean, we're not duck guides or goose guides like those guys up there. It's a different animal. There's no way I could do it the whole season. No way in hell. Because of the elements? Oh, the conditions. I mean, the wind and the rain. Jody, I mean, Jody can tell you about the hunt we did in the layout boats. That was probably the most craziest hunt of the entire trip. 
Yeah, they they, they just uh, I mean, they're uh, I mean yeah the elements up there are completely different than down here uh, and uh, they just uh, they um, want to uh, you know they want to get out of it because you're limited on your wind days so when it's windy you know yeah I mean we wanted I I I'm a guy that loves being in a boat I want to see the worst of the worst the most extreme I want to do all that kind of stuff and uh, so they put us in layout boats at about three to four foot seas, uh, oh, wow. school boats, and they're coming over the back of the way. Every wave was coming over the back of the boat. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were, and we were like, well, is there a storm coming in? And they're like, you mean like typhoon or what? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know what's up here. Like they're a regular like, yeah, storm. Typhoon. Yeah. And they were, uh, for the next three days, it blew a steady 70 miles an hour. Are you yeah. kidding me? How could no, you even, yeah, how could yeah, you even shoot in that? We ended up just, we take a truck. We took a truck down the beach, and we were flushing up Egyptian geese like chickens. And we sat on this, like, pinch point, and uh, Jody shot a Harlequin. But we couldn't, I mean, you couldn't get any boats out. Like, the winds picked up, like Jody said, like, three days before we left, and they never stopped. It never stopped blowing wow. those last three days when we were there. Wow. Did you see any bear? Yeah. We almost hit one. Yeah, we almost hit one with a pickup truck. No way. And they killed one. Uh, Charlie Somerville uh, up there in uh, Cold Bay, Alaska. I mean, whatever it's worth, I'm not promoting anything, but these guys, no. they know what they're doing, and it's a time of the, I mean, your life. Like, it, I would go tomorrow if I could. I'd go every day. If, if I wasn't happily married and have kids and I didn't have but a, a successful job, I would go like every I would move. George, it's unbelievable. It's beautiful country. It's just a tundra, entering tundra. I mean, there's nothing up there. It's so peaceful and just quiet. Yeah, we, but yeah, bear we everywhere. goose hunted. We goose hunted one afternoon, George. We set up a bunch of silhouettes and socks, and it was just Jody and I, Jack and Charlie. Um, we took this like blow up raft boat and piled everything on there and ran up this cut and then carried everything across this berry field. And I think Jack, I could be wrong, but I think Jack and them said it was like 33,000 acres of just continuous berry patches wow. all in this area where we were at. And that's what the geese were sitting and feeding in, you know, in the afternoons. What kind of, you say geese, are you talking, what kind Evolution of geese? Evolution cacklers. Ah. That would be cool yeah, to get mounted. That's what we shot. I mean, we shot a Lucian Teal, Mallards, Brant. Like I said, Joey shot a Harlequin. We shot the Cacklers. Charlie shot a Brant on our last full day of hunt, which was cool. It literally went past all three of us. And then Jody was like, Charlie, shoot it. And then Charlie raised up and shot. And Jack went and picked it up and was like, who shot this bird? And I was just like, are you kidding me? And Charlie shoots it and it's banded. So <laughs> that was pretty cool to see abandoned brand and stuff like that but did you guys bring uh, get any mounted we didn't take any birds back we took uh what do they call those things jody uh the, uh the old crab pot glass balls the glass balls that they find on the beaches <clears throat> what the heck is that uh, it's like the crab pots it's like uh so back in the day uh over in like china they in like asia they used to use glass balls for their crab pots yeah. uh, and uh, their actual hand-blown glass balls. Well, they've been out in the circulation for so long or, or lost at sea that they kind of get put in the uh, 
um, they call it the dishwasher. And the dishwasher is like this big area in the ocean, and it just cycles them everywhere. Well, then they'll just wash up ashore out of the Bering Sea uh, out there in the Aleutian Islands. And you go out and find them, and they're like kind of collector's items. I mean, they sell them for like 150 150 bucks. Wow. Yeah, one of Charlie's neighbors. Cool. memorabilia. Yeah, we went over to Charlie's neighbor's house, and they had like giant buoy ones that they had found. But the ones we found are, I don't know, a little bigger than a softball. Yeah, they're cool. I knew a guy had glass had balls, balls, but they weren't that big. <laughs> <laughs> they were, sure he told me they were collectors. I don't know, <laughs> believe him or not, but, you know, I think he's full of crap, but... So, did you eat a lot of crab up there? That will probably be deleted, George. <laughs> no, we're keeping that one. That's a homer. Did you, uh, did you uh, eat a lot of crab? Alaskan crab up there? We had crab one night, didn't we, I think? I don't think we had crab. No, because uh, I think it was the that the, uh, COVID was going on, so they didn't have crab. Oh, and that's right. Yeah, the crab pots were not in business, quote-unquote, because yep. of COVID. Oh, yeah. We ate a lot of Brant's, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, Brant's. Seriously. It was amazing. Yeah. I, would was, uh, way, I can tell you it was way better than any Canada goose I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that brand that we ate that they cooked in their lodge was to die for. I mean, it was delicious. We had pulled pork Brant the day we got there before we went hunting. Brant sandwiches, Brant pulled pork, yeah. Yep. So let me ask you this. How do, they, yeah, how do, you, do you call Brant? We did not. Uh, they kind of, I mean, Jack kind of did, but no, Jack I mean, kind of did. Yeah. Pattern. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just pattern. more like a tide and, you know, you just hunt the tides. So it's kind of like hunting divers? That tide starts going. Yeah. 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 They, uh, when the, tide, when the tide's low, they're out in the middle of the bay, you know, just sitting on seaweed rafts. And then when the tide gets higher, those rafts, go away so all the seaweed and ke- uh i think they call it something kelp like some kind eel of grass ke- or yeah, eel grass or whatever that it would yeah. get up on the shore so those brant would you know you hunt them on high tide those brant would we want to get to the shoreline to eat that eel grass so and uh yeah and then they would just come up there and eat that so they're just eating vegetation uh and yeah they were they were amazing to eat so i've i've laid out they're hunt, fun to shoot, man. i gotta ask you this how in the heck did you shoot and did any of you get sick laying in a layout boat with three or four foot waves? Well, I think Corey got okay. sick because of alcohol. I will, I will, yeah. So the night I chose to, quote unquote, let my hair down. <laughs> so was alcohol was involved. We, when, yeah, and the next morning, um, we go outside and Jack starts grabbing this two-man layout boat. And I was like, I picked the wrong night <laughs> to drink. Oh man! And Jody shot his two brand quickly after Jack dumped us off in the middle of the water, and literally like I shoot one, and the waves just started getting worse. And I told Jody, I said, "Dude, we're done. Like I'm not <laughs> mad at these birds. Like let's just go back." Jody smashed his finger that day. Like wow. Yeah, it, it was just a couple of was pretty, pretty worthless that day. We went to go loading that two-man layout boat into a bigger boat that weighs quite a bit. Corey was kind of sitting there milking a little bit of a hangover, and I uh, asked for a little bit of assistance, and they ended up smashing my finger, uh, like to the point where it swelled up pretty bad, and we actually had to needle it a few nights later oh, to get geez. the pressure off. 
Oh, it was that bad. Oh, yeah, that's bad. It was horrible. That was the morning we almost hit the bear, and I was I was sleeping in the yeah. back seat. Yeah, like we're talking like bear, almost like we hit it in the butt with the front of the truck. <laughs> like know? a Kodiak bear or a black bear. Uh, uh, they, uh, I think no, they're coastal, coastal brown bears. Yeah, big ones. Brown bears. The big ones. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not yeah, small. They're not small animals. Jeez. Literally, George, everyone on that plane that we took from Anchorage to Cole Bay, we're going on like 15 to 20 day drop off bear hunts. And they looked at us like we were fools going to Cole Bay to shoot ducks and geese. <laughs> We were the only duck hunters on that plane, and I think there was like 13 of us getting on that little freaking prop plane, and they were all going bear hunting. What a cool, what a cool award though for winning a, a contest. I mean, oh yeah, dude, that's that's awesome. It was huh. cool, like winning that contest. Like we said, I mean, last year at Die Bomb, I mean, Charlie was there all weekend. So once we won, like we you know, would see Charlie and we talk to him and we'd hang out with him the whole weekend there at that show. And we talked to him a bunch of times leading up to the trip. And it was like Jody said, I mean, I would go back tomorrow. I mean, it was just, just to see everything and what it's like the elements and it's just, it's crazy, man. It's truly, truly crazy. Well, it truly lives up to its reputation, the last frontier. I mean, yeah. separate the men yeah, from that, the boys. Yeah. I mean, we would get done hunting at like 9.30 in the evening or at night. And it'd be like what it looks like outside right now for us three. And it'd be midnight at home. Wow. Like, we got done hunting one evening when we hunted that field. And literally, we got back to the road. It was like nine twenty-five p.m., and you could still shoot at that time. Wow! Like it's everything up there was just unbelievable. Do they get in that, that part? At that part there, do they get like darkness at part of the time of the year, or is it pretty much daylight? Uh, yeah, I don't they know. Yeah, they lose. Uh, it's more so in the summer when they. Uh, I think. Uh, so when we were up there, we were there in October, and, uh, like, shooting light for us was around, like, I mean, you could start shooting. I think it was, you know, around, like, the 8 to 9 o'clock in the morning, and then it yeah, got... We would leave the lodge at, like, 7.15. Yeah, it didn't get dark till really late in the evening, but, yeah, they lose, uh, they lose daylight. Um, yeah, they, they'll go to, um, they'll go to, like, just a few hours of daylight. That's um, cool. but yeah, I mean, uh, it was more so in the wintertime, I think, is when they lose that. And then right now, they're yeah. pretty much daylight all. You know what? That's a, that's a total different type of life that you will never experience anywhere else but there. No, yeah. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, we tell people, I mean, my wife, I think, honestly, wasn't really on the understanding that, you know, when we left Anchorage, we boarded our plane, and I was like, I don't know when I'll talk to you again. You know, I was telling her, I was like, I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm gone. I'm, I'm up here for seven days. Like, I don't, you know, he told us that there's no cell service. You know, if the internet's working, you may get something. And uh, I don't think she took it to heart. But, yeah, when you're up there, man, there's no cell service. There's nothing. There's no cell service. Um, and, like, uh, we went to, like, the grocery store uh, there in town. It's only open for, like, an hour a day or something. Yeah. It's crazy, the, the price, because up there everything's got to be – 
uh, either flown in or shipped in. Oh, so, I can't imagine you know, the, the price. It weighs the more yeah. the more it costs. Uh, you know, like a jar of pickles was just astronomical, uh, and you can almost buy a bottle of, for instance, liquor cheaper than you could a case of beer because of how much it weighs. Wow. Yeah, a twelve pack of Bush Light was like twenty four bucks. Wow. Wow. So, but I mean, it, it was. was uh, yeah, it's amazing up there. I mean, uh, it's a different yeah, kind of living. Yeah. The scenery, I mean, it's just something you could take in every single day. A good once-in-a-lifetime trip. That's amazing. Now, the dive bomb's going to be coming up again. You guys, let me ask you, do you guys practice at all as much as you've, you know, done contests together? Is it just, you know, you you just run and go with it? Or do do you say, hey, Jody, hey, Bob, we got a a contest come up. We got to practice. And do you like, okay, let's do FaceTime and let's let's run it. Or you guys are just raw. (laughs) Well, we always live like within five to ten minutes apart. And, I mean, since Jody moved, we still do. But last year for Dive Bomb, I think we, we got together Wednesday. Yeah, we left Friday morning. We left Friday morning at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. to meet up with our buddies for lunch and drinks, stuff like that. But Wednesday evening, this is no BS. We blew one routine. Jody recorded it. And then we drank and rode around his golf cart. And then I went home and then picked him up Friday morning and I went to the contest. And that was it. But George, I mean, I, I mean, that's we're not. I, that's going to probably come off to some people as maybe, you yeah, know, I mean, some, you know, arrogant or you know, cocky. But I mean, when Corey's saying that I record it, I mean, that, and this isn't a take against anything from Corey because his ability is is unreal. You know, when, when it's when we're doing the two man thing, his, it's I'm in his world and uh, uh, I'm just trying to fill in the pieces. But w- we've been doing it for long enough that. We just have to figure out where, you know, over time in contest calling, in my mind, the two men, the only thing that really changes is just tempo, like in my mind. It's who who's blowing aggressive, who's not blowing aggressive. And you just got to kind of figure out where everyone, where each other is uh, in the routine at that, in that, whenever you're competing. And so I listened to, we blew one, I listened to the recording. And on the way after the contest, we kind of discussed some things that after I listened yeah. to it, Hey, we need to slow this section down. We're getting close to stepping, or hey, this is really, you know, we're we're really close to doing the same sequences here. We need to change it. So we blew one, but we, I, I still, you know, Corey leaves and whatnot, but nothing against Corey, but I still sit there and listen to it, and I'm not saying I'm the mastermind behind it, but I'm the one that puts the thought into, hey, what's what's going to work where. I believe that. So it, it, we we only practice for yeah, I mean, maybe fifteen minutes, and then we you know went on. But other contests, yeah, we practice a lot. You know, the Rogers contest. You know, oh, we, when Rogers was around, yeah, we used to have a whole week. Yeah, we practice for a lot, and our friend Zach comes over, and we all three, all of us, because we all blow together. So I blow Zach. Zach blows a Corey, and I blow a Corey. And so we're all, you know, we got sixteen or you know something like that between us, and. We blow for, you know, at least a couple hours a night for a few weeks. Yeah. But 
mean, just because we've been doing it a long time, I mean, we know where everyone is. It's some, you know, we know what we're supposed to do. We haven't changed anything. It's not rocket science. Uh, it's just a matter of feeling out who's blowing aggressive and who, where the tempo is for everybody, right? So. You know, hey, we're right there with you, Jody. We got to drive 40 minutes, 45 just to get gas or food. Yeah. But, you know, we live. It's a yeah, duck. I think my horse. I think my horse, George. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Our horses, we have a field up up north of a property that uh, 20 acres they stay in. And then, like I said, this is an old duck club. And then we bought the caretaker's place and. That's a, a good place for have buddies come in, riders, buyers, and all that. But um, we have the horse. My wife wanted horses here, so we, we, uh, I made a deal up so the horses can be right here at the house. They look right in the windows. Then we made a, a we got a big 12 by 50 deck, so we end up putting a corral underneath our deck. And I've always said, if, awesome. dude, if you got a corral underneath your deck, you might be a redneck. Yeah, yeah. You, you made it now. That's what I'm You talking. made it, buddy. You are at the top of the world. I can sit in my bed at night and listen to clunk, 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 clunk. <laughs> but uh, you know what? We love it. When COVID was when COVID was here, you know, her yeah. and I was up the north of the horses. It was cold winter. And I told her, I said, you know, we are so blessed. We don't even know what it's like to be, you know, stuck in a house. Or we, nobody out here wears masks. And, and um that's the kind of living we have Best out here. Best way to save turkeys right there, George. You ain't Best kidding. way to save turkeys. Her, her took her uh, her first two Canada geese she killed a couple years ago. You know, I'm sitting there, and I'm not shooting. I'm just kind of directing, okay, these two are going to come. I want you to shoot. Her first two birds she ever killed, both were banded. <laughs> and the four, I need her luck. Well, the funny story is she does, like, is that something? I said, and guys, you know, you tell it to show. Oh, I've been hooked my whole life. Don't have a band. I don't have this. And... Uh, the funny thing is that, uh, you know, so I, she's kind of got the idea that it's pretty special. So this year we're waterfowl yeah. hunting and every bird goes down. She's looking at me going, has it got a band? Has it got a band? <laughs> she says, do I have, I do I get a lanyard? She says, I know it's not banded. Like, I don't even look. I'm just like, I have the worst luck, so I don't even care. Yeah. She, she says, do I get a lanyard now because I got two bands? <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. So, uh. You got to. Let me tell you this. I had a conversation with Brooke Richard the other day, and he, he, he says, I said, you got anything that you can help me out with? You know, I'm going to, with, with Jody and Corey. And he says, you know, he says, um, ask Jody how his back is doing. I go, what do you mean? He says, oh he's been God. carrying Corey all these years. I said, you know, the word on the street that Jody's got some back problems from carrying Corey. And he thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but in all honesty... I, I did. I am supposed to ask you, down at Ducks, the two-man duck, that you didn't participate in it, that you were a judge. Oh. Huh? Yeah. Talk to me, bub. Uh, I went down with my buddy to set up his, like, booth for outfit for Saskatchewan, and no one I knew was going to that contest. Jody or Zach or even Benjamin or Dan Getz or whatever, but... And so I told those guys after the uh, the meat contest debacle, I was like, man, I'll judge this two man. And everyone thought, you know, I was full of crap. I was like, no, I'll judge it. And so I come back there and, you know, I got 
caught up in time and I showed up a little late and I came back there and there was Brooke and Bill Daniels sitting there and and Bill goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm judging this. And I've never, like, I've never listened to a lot of teams, especially sitting back there with, you know, like Dive Bomb or like Rogers with 25 to 30 teams. I sat back there for the first round, George, and I think Brooke was videoing and taking pictures of me and sending it to Jody because of the fact, I think there's like 12 teams, maybe 10, every single one of them, and I mean every single one of them, attempted to copy our routine (laughs) and our warm-up. Like, to the T, to where the point, like, it was just, it was funny to listen to. And then I sit back there and I'm like, you know, in a way, it's kind of cool. It's a compliment. Because people are trying to do, you know, what me and my brother are doing and what we've done over the last, you know, however many years. But then I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you guys try to do something different. Like, my streak is coming to an end. It's already came to an end of winning. Like, Jody and I will, you know, we whatever two-man we blow in this year, if it happens, it happens. But there's going to be new people coming up, hopefully, and they're going to need to be original. And listen to that two-man, it was not original. Like, I was just, and Brooke was loving it. Like, Brooke was just laughing his head off. Bill was laughing his head off. I was like, these guys are doing from start to finish. Warm-up and everything. They, uh... So, yeah. That kind of what happened with the... It's kind of the Hunter Grounds deal in the goose call. How many, you know, Hunter Grounds... How many Hunter Ground routines I've heard um, from people going up. Or John Stevens. Yeah, exactly. So, let me... We're running on time here, but I want to get to each one of you... for the new guys who are wanting to get into it, and, and we both kind of seen that uh, in the last few years, the contests have kind of they're they're losing their their fat, their pizzazz, or they're losing their following. Um, I think the opinion is that it uh, there's a lot of t- not saying there's not a lot of talent out there, but I think the talent out there doesn't want to take the work that it's taken to try to beat the guys who are still blown, who worked their tails off, you know, growing up and, and to get at that part in the stage because it does. You know, I always said that, you know, baseball was my life and I always used a lot of equate things to baseball. But, you know, Mark McGuire could have the best talent. He's one of the best home run hitters to ever live. And he has that talent within him. But if he doesn't take batting practice, he just still sits the bench or he's just a normal hitter. And um, and I think that's what you're seeing today. So let me ask, I want each one of you, if if, uh, your best top three or five tips, advice that you could give to guys who are wanting to get started and in the duck calling, the meat calling, but it just, you know, to lead them. And if they want to be competitive, what, because you guys have seen it all and rode the, you've rode the ride, you know, your best tips. And I'll let you go first, Jody. I think I go number one, you got to have drive. Um, I'm not a, uh, I don't really follow many people or, you know, athletes or anything like that. But, uh, and obviously what we do in my mind is not really a sport. Uh, it's, you know, it's not, in my, you know, we're, it's more of a, if I'm going to compare it to sports, gymnastics. Uh, but uh, as far as drive goes, I mean, you got you got to want it. Uh, and you got to want to be good. Uh, and you got to learn to 
with the drive, you got to learn to take losses uh, because uh, I want to be where I am today without without losing um, and and losing over and over and over and over again uh, and not being just happy with a, a top five or a top ten in a gun case. Uh, you know, if you want if you want to be if you want to be somebody one day, you got to learn you got to learn to lose before you can learn to win. Uh, and I think that's just something that is. Uh, embedded in every athlete uh if you want to if you want to be a winner you got to learn to lose uh and you also got to learn how to take constructive criticism um no one is born with this this is not it's not just handed to them this is something you have to work for i mean if i had to guess hours i'd i'd I wouldn't even know where to begin on how much I, when i won the world what i was practicing the day and how much time and effort i put into it but and I could say that we're back to the, you know, knowing how to lose. I can remember a loss that set me to a point where I said, I'm done losing. I'm not going to lose anymore. And it was at a, a regional contest down in Stuttgart, Arkansas, that set me off that I said, I, you know, I, that, it was the first one of three that day. And, the, and I walked off the stage and I said, yeah, I'm not going to lose anymore. I think I took third and I said, that's it. I'm done, I'm done losing. I'm not going to lose anymore. And the next one I won, another regional I won or whatever. And then, yeah, I mean, I may have lost again, but I wasn't going to lose the way I did in that regional where I took myself out of the game. And you got to have that mentality where if you're going to lose, it's on you. It's not on anybody else. And nowadays, everybody wants to blame judges or, you know, whoever uh, besides themselves. It's on you. You lost because of you. You're an individual sport. You lost because of you. Uh, your ability didn't work to where you wanted to be, but... Uh, so, I mean, I guess the, to the one, two, and three, I'd say, yeah, the, the, you got to have the drive, you got to know how to lose, and you got to take constructive criticism. Great tip, so. buddy. Great tip. What about you, Mr. Nickham? I mean, I'm pretty much in the same agreements um, with Jody. Like I said, I mean, I started in 98, and I didn't win my first contest until 2004. Wow. Um, Keller. I remember my first big quote-unquote regional was in 99 uh, in Burlington, Iowa. And we drove up there and sitting back there, and yeah, I got cut first round. And I was like, well, that sucked, you know. And started just, like Jody said, just start practicing longer hours, um, which pretty much, I mean, there is some still out there that I believe that, truly does practice, you know, daily that wants to improve. But what I would tell the guys now, um, if you go to a contest and you do sign up and you do compete and, you know, you get knocked out first round or get cut second round, like, don't go home and say, I quit. Like, look up and find the next one see how long you have, work on what the judges told you, like why they scored you like this. And, you know, that was the main thing, like we'd always used to do is just go to the judges and be like, hey, you know, what did you score for me on this? Or, you know, what color were you? And this is what I wrote, yada, yada, yada. Listen to what they do or listen to what they tell you and then take that home with you and work on it. Like, I can't tell you how many days our dad has, forced us in the years past to practice before he took us anywhere, whether it be Texas or Michigan 
Maryland or whatever. Like, we weren't going unprepared. Like, we would practice every night in that basement. Um, but, yeah, and like Joey said, don't be afraid to lose. You're going to lose more than you're going to win. I don't care who you are. Um, you're going to win some you felt you shouldn't have won, and you're going to win some that you, you know, or lose some that you felt you should have won. But don't go home after your first one and just quit because you didn't win or you couldn't take a picture and post it on social media that you took first, second, or third. Like, just continue to go after it. It's all and about that. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once you figure it out, just stick with it and ride it out. Yeah, my, one of my favorite quotes that I always try to give people when I'm talking about, you know, when you're practicing this, you know, practice don't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Make sure when you're practicing. Practice you for a and and uh, I, you know, with you guys, you know, you had two great mentors in your life. You had Mike Keller, and then you got Butch. What if you got, you know, an advice for the young kid today who wants to get into it? Maybe doesn't have a mentor. Where will you direct them to go? You know, to look and and start researching, or how you know how would they get started if they didn't have a mentor today with everything on the the social media? And I'm not all up on social media stuff. I mean. With social media right now, I mean, there is a group of us. Um, I say us. I'm kind of like a outsider looking in uh, of the ICA group on Facebook that is pretty much a lot of guys wanting to see contest calling continue, succeed, stay afloat, whatever. But there's people on that uh, Facebook page and Instagram page all the time people you know post sound files and want help or like dive bomb has their calling one and just reach out to some of us like myself and my brother or you know guys like mike benjamin or michael steinmeier or dan getz um you know just ask them be like hey do you mind if i send you a routine i mean i know jody gets them just as much as i do like guys just wanting to you know, send routines, whether it's Main Street or Open Meat or a two-man or whatever. And just, you know, reach out to guys. That's great advice. I, I mean, say, that's what I would do. I'd say that us, I say older guys, right? I mean, I know there's guys that I looked up to in the past but that are been doing it much longer than I have. But, the, I mean, I, I feel like I've been doing it long enough where I can say I'm an older guy. But us older guys would rather help out and reach out and help whoever or you know open our ears up anybody that wants to try to keep the sports that we love keep you know keep it going because it is dying unfortunately it is and whether that's the the mentality of people or whether it's social media has changed the game and you know whatever it is but we'd rather see you know keep going Uh, i don't want it to see it go away i mean i know that i don't i don't compete nowhere near as much as i used to and or should and doesn't mean i don't have the drive uh, but it's just uh life's gotten in you know in in my way which i'm sure is a lot with a lot of people but i'm still here to help uh anybody that's younger that wants to start uh, i help uh, help whenever i can uh and as i'm talking to this i know that i have a routine that i got to listen to from a kid that uh wants to get better he just uh blew a novice on the online contest and i gotta help him i just reminded me that i need to listen to that and get back to him see that's awesome so, I think it's funny how we're talking about this just off like in my basement i have the breaking silence 
with Mike Keller's CD uh. still on my shelf that I just looked at just now, and it's him and his Red Lab chip. But, yeah, I mean, reach out to people. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, don't um, be scared. That's right. Yeah, whether it's me or my brother or anybody. I mean, you know, Main Street callers like David St. John, I know he, like, Jody and I looked up to him. Um, I mean, he was doing it, and I have a lot of respect. Just like Jody has a lot of respect for David St. John. Main Street guys, reach out to him. He's a world champion. He, I mean, you know, guys like that, you know, second guess it, be like, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. Just send it. And then just start from there. Go from there. Just baby steps. Exactly. Yeah. Well, guys, I, mean, I that is great advice. And actually, I took notes. So um, since you guys are so willing, I'm going to take each one of your numbers and probably every truck stop I find, I'm going to write it on the bathroom wall. <laughs> if y'all need help, call <laughs> these. Call, call my bros. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as it's not a love truck stop, George, <laughs> Well, guys, I appreciate it so much, man. I know you appreciate your time and love you guys. You guys are great ambassadors and what a great uh, representation of duck calling should be and, and the great work ethics. And, you know, I will have to, my wife, the first time she got to met you, Corey, and that was at the, uh, Presley's a couple years ago. The yep. world fame. We went to that semi-pro baseball game, and I yep. Oils rode with me over there. And I'm telling you what, you had me, and between you and Steiny, had me, and, 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 and you know Benjamin had me in peppers. stitches, buddy. <laughs> I'm surprised we weren't thrown peppers. out. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I appreciate yeah. it a bunch, and um, thank you for your time and. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this. There's a lot of information, a little bit of fun, and and um, check these guys out on social media. Reach out to them if anybody wants to get started in it. These guys are serious. as a heart attack, and they definitely you're going to learn from the best. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I hope you subscribe to it, the George Lynch Hunting Podcast. And always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide.